Welcome to Runners on Trail, the trail running podcast by mid-pack runners. For mid-pack runners, I'm Thane. And I'm Anthony. And in this podcast, we're going to talk about me running 135 miles around Anglesey in the Ring of Fire Ultra Multi-Stage Race. This is Runners on Trail, episode 29. So we are back running again, and I am in Hollyhead on Anglesey, about to do the Ring of Fire three-day stage race. So it's 135 miles, and I've got to do 35 miles today, 66 miles tomorrow, and then 33 miles on the last day. And there's about a thousand meters of climb today, 2,000 tomorrow, and a thousand on the last day. It's definitely different than doing a single-day race. You know, you know how your legs feel after day after an ultra. So you've got to run on that, and then this time I've got to run on that again. That's going to be interesting, especially given the fact that I did Green Man Ultra 46 miles last weekend. Country Park's not got a huge amount of amenities, so if you're coming to do the race, just bear that in mind. The one little cafe seems slightly overwhelmed with the 200-odd extra runners and families that are here today to do the Ring of Fire, so bear that in mind. And the car park's quite small, and you need cash for the car park. No cards or notes, so bear that in mind too. It's one o'clock start, which is slightly unusual, and then tomorrow we start at six to do the 66 miles. So um, there is a little bit of tactics in this today, and that I've got to run slow enough to preserve the legs, but also quick enough to get all my admin done tonight and get a good sleep before starting again tomorrow morning. My daughter asked me what good looked like for this run this weekend, and I said to her, to finish having had a good time, and that's uh, what I'm aiming to do. And then she asked me what better than good looks like. And I said, finishing in under 30 hours, having had a good time. So those are the two things that we're looking at this weekend. Good and very good. Hopefully not bad, which is either not having a good time or uh, not finishing. Let's hope neither of those happen. So welcome back. And it's good to be back together. It is. It is. And yeah, ring of fire. Such a good race. I'll say it from the start. It's such a good race. People need to go do this race. It's brilliant. Yes. It really, really is. Um, So yeah, Ring of Fire UK race is a race around the island of Anglesey, which is on the northwest coast of Wales, very close to Wales. The the separation from Anglesey to the coast is tiny. It's it's effectively a a small estuary, isn't it? Yeah, a small estuary, effectively. yards or something. You run around the entire coast of Anglesey, so it's 135 miles. Yeah. And... I decided it would be a really good thing to do. I really like the idea of a stage race. You've done spine and things like that. And they've never really appealed. The idea of just sleep depriving myself and, and having to sleep deprive myself because the clock's still running yeah, just really, really doesn't appeal at all. Whereas I do running a stage race where the clock stops and you, and the quicker you run, the more time you get to rest. Yeah. Kind of appealed in my head. What, what, what intrigued me and made me... Sort of slightly horrified or whatever on this was was the day two aspect you've got this short day one relatively day two that's double the length yeah. and then a short day three and i thought well that's really interesting on how it will be to run and i think it will be a really good test and then when i coupled that with the fact that i'm entered for cape roth ultra next year which clearly is eight days and 250 miles whilst it can't in any way replicate Cape Roth, what it could do was give me a step up in training and a yes. step up in ideas of how my body would react to multi-day races. Yeah, yeah. It was a very good testing point and, and learning point 
to then step on from I think yeah, yeah I think absolutely it's ideal and 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 I definitely learned stuff from this as as we'll get into I kind of liked the idea that they set at the beginning was that they provide all the accommodation at each place and so you're kind of with everybody and this is great race atmosphere that you're going mm. to experience the whole time you're there which was great until covid came along and then they contacted everyone and said I'm really sorry but we can't use the accommodation. We can't have everyone grouped together in these big sports halls because of COVID, which is completely understandable. And and the, the so the options were book somewhere on the island or book somewhere close to the finishes to try and mm. stay in, or I don't know, do something. So I managed to get accommodation at the end of the day one in a hotel, but then in the day two there was nothing available. And so my wife then said, "Well, look, why don't we come up to Anglesey, have a weekend holiday? That's my wife and my daughter." While you run around and book a hotel further away. So we did. I booked a Premier Inn in Hollyhead for the end of day two. Yeah. And then they turned the accommodation back on again. Because <laughs> the Welsh Government relaxed the rules and the COVID situation got better. But at that point, we'd already sort of made the commitment. And yeah. my wife said, actually, I'm quite looking forward to going. So I decided to stick with the accommodation I got. And rather than doing the thing in the community hall, and we can talk about how that affected the race or didn't affect the race or what changes that made to the race for me compared to other runners later. The race starts at one o'clock in the afternoon, which is slightly strange, I guess. But what it does do, mm. gives people time to get there, which yes. I thought was quite good. There is a little bit of me that wished it started a little bit earlier than one o'clock. Because that would have afforded you a much better time to get food and rest before day two. Correct. But I guess the hair pole point is to make it a little bit difficult. Yeah, yeah. What was really important to me in this race was to have a good time. But what I did this time, which I've not done so much before, is set myself a couple of targets that I would be happy with. I've had targets before. I said, but I want to achieve this. But, you know, I think probably it'll be this. Well, the second one I got, might probably be this. Wasn't something I was ever going to really be happy with. Mm. Whereas this time... I mentally adjusted myself to make sure I would be happy with the target that I thought I probably could achieve. Yes. And that way, if I didn't achieve my other target, it wouldn't matter. and I'd still have had a good time yeah, yeah. and still be enjoying it. So it was important for me that if I felt I wasn't having a good time because I was having to push myself too hard, it'd be okay for me to miss the more challenging target. So yeah, we, we went up there. You start in the in the lee, if you like, in the shadow of the Hollyhead Mountain. Mm-hmm. And because it's a circular course, you literally start at the finish line. Yeah. Um, knowing that you'll see it in three days' time. So, just over an hour and a half into the Ring of Fire day one, and I've done about quarter distance. Um, just coming up to 14 and a half kilometres, so it's pretty good, but it's just over 56 for the day. It's not very hilly so far, and the tracks, trails, pretty runnable. It's been a beach section that was a little bit more difficult, but other than that, it's good. The weather's very kind to us. It was a bit humid and stuffy at the start, but now we're away from Hollyhead. And right on the coast, there's a lovely breeze. And that's making it pretty comfortable, to be honest. Feet are okay. I had a bit of trouble in the Green Man, and I ended up taping one of my feet on the way around, which was okay after that. I've pre-taped it today. It's all right, I can feel it, but I don't think it's rubbing. I think I can just feel the tape. So it doesn't feel uncomfortable as such. It just feels a little odd. So I'm going to leave it as it is. It doesn't, doesn't feel hot, so that's okay. Having that feeling all right, drinking all right, 
and the legs are okay. I mean, it's only been six days since Green Man, so uh, that was 46 miles. So, yeah, never expect them to be brilliant, but they're okay. And I'm just jogging it along. Probably going a little bit quicker than I intended to, but I'm trying to slow it up. I will naturally slow up later, I think, a little bit. And now there's a bit of track in front and behind me. I can set my own pace. At the beginning it was single track and just clog for people and you kind of just had to take whatever pace you got. And that kind of meant it was quick and slow and that's never brilliant. Now I can choose how fast I go, which is good. So help paint a picture for us here. Um, what was the weather like? What was the kind of terrain like? And what gear were you wearing and using? Yeah, okay. Um, so what was the weather like? It was overcast. Temperatures were in the high teens. In Hollyhead, it felt really humid. Um, we were in this country park and they cut the grass and it just, yeah, everything yeah, yeah. was damp. And, but once we got um, out of Hollyhead and you're running on a coastal path, it felt really quite comfortable. The path there was actually not too bad. But some of the things that were predominant features throughout the race are running down to beaches, yep. um, either sand, shingle, or rocky. And you did that quite a few times. Yep. And, you know, we all know what running on a beach is like. So that was a really, I'd never really done that before mm-hmm. in the race. Yeah. So technically, that was a good technical challenge. And there were definitely bits where walking was just as quick as running. Yeah. And so you did that. Up until that point, the running hadn't been too bad. But as day one wore on and, and throughout the rest of the weekend, the coast of Anglesey, for me, was very similar to the southwest coastal path. A lot of the runners I was running with had run on the southwest coastal path and we, they all commented that they felt it was very, very similar. So sometimes you might be in a field, but normally you're in that bit of land between the fields and, and the coastline, a bit of kind of rough, uh, occasionally on a road track. It's that kind of in and out. Sometimes, but a lot of the time it's a path right on the edge of the cliff. Yeah, a lot yeah, of the time. Yeah, okay. Um, and sometimes it's fairly technical and sometimes it's not at all. So yeah. It's quite a, a mixed bag. Quite a mixed bag. But I guess ultimately it felt more up and downy than you thought it was going to. And, yeah, and yeah. at times it was more technical than you thought it probably would be. Uh, what was I wearing? I was wearing, on my feet, I was wearing a pair of Brooks Caldera 5s, which are a four mil drop, maximal cushion, mm-hmm. very light trail shoe or road to trail shoe. I've used them for about the last year and they've been great. Although I have had this issue where they rub slightly on my left foot on the instep. Uh, I'd had no problems with them on Race race to the Stones, which was 100k. And then within 10k on Green Man, they started to rub. But I figured that the amount of mileage I was going to do, they would be the shoe to wear. Yeah. So I was wearing my feet with a pair of Drymax socks, Drymax lights, I think, that day. Yeah. A pair of skins, compression shorts, yeah. so compression shorts, a pair of underwear, yeah, yeah, yeah. briefs, not, jo- not sh- jockey shorts, briefs. And on that day, I think I had... My Royal Parks Half Marathon T-shirt. When I talked about loss, it's bamboo. Yeah, it's really good wicking, and I wore that one that day uh, with my fairly new Ultimate Direction eight liter vest that I yeah. bought in the summer. Because my other one, which I'd had for five years, has literally started to disintegrate and fall yeah. apart. So that's eight liter. So, the, but the kit for this was phone whistle 
map pack, a litre of capable of water and a space blanket. So Okay, not even a waterproof jacket if you no, don't need it. Oh, right, no. really light then. Yeah, really light. Really light. Okay. And I carried light because I yeah. knew that's what I'd wear. I don't, I don't think I even took a waterproof jacket. Okay. And, and aid stations, checkpoints, how, how roughly speaking? Yeah, frequency. further apart than you'd probably expect, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I think they were about nine miles apart. Mostly. Okay. Yeah, nine... So, so six to nine. So, so one litre is a little bit on the on the light side. Yeah, six yeah. to nine miles. Yeah. So yes, it could feel like that sometimes. Yeah. Definitely. Okay. Um, if the weather heated up, certainly you'd want a bit more. Yeah, and then for food and nutrition, again, trying for about two hundred calories an hour ish. Uh, jelly babies on the half hour, and I switched to high five gels. Okay. So I am halfway through day one of the winter fire. And the second quarter is definitely more technical than the first one. I ran it in an hour and three quarters, so I'm now at three hours fifteen. And uh, that's better on the pace I was hoping for. The views are amazing, the weather's been fantastic for us. It's overcast, a little bit of breeze, not that warm. Yeah, about everything you could hope for. Managed to eat an orange and have some coke at a station. Two, checkpoint two, whatever you want to call it. Now pushing on. Hopefully, I can go under seven hours. But I want to do that feeling good and comfortable for the 66 miles of tomorrow. So we shall see. Okay, race has started. Yeah, a reasonable way into day one. How are you feeling? Well, Pacing? Is it going going according to plan? Well, I think so. I mean, you know, I've got to bear in mind, I'd, I'd done the Green Man six days before. Yeah which I'd had to push myself harder than I wanted to because I was after a sub 18 hour buckle for the two green yes, mans. for the winter and the Yeah, summer. and I kind of hoped I'd find that easier than I did. But I'd felt fairly well recovered. But I think as soon as I started, I realized that, yeah, these aren't fresh, are they, these legs? These are used legs. Yeah. It felt like I was running on. And in my head, I'd always had this plan of trying to go under 30 hours, which was seven hours day one, 16 hours day two, seven hours day three. And there was no real basis for that, apart from the fact I'd looked at old times that people had done and kind of had a thought process and looked at the distances and the climb and what I thought it would be like and thought, well, that kind of makes sense. But in my head, I was literally over and over just saying, three days, not one day, three days, not one day, three days, not one day, literally over and over in my head for seven hours, just to remind myself that the race was not going to be won or lost. And I don't mean one, actually won, because I was never going to win it, but won or lost from what I wanted to achieve yeah. on day one. And yeah. a few minutes either way on day one, trying to going slower probably wouldn't make a difference, but trying to go 15 minutes faster mm. will probably have a massive detrimental effect yeah. on days two and three. So in my head was just this bit of, I've got to keep the pace steady. I've got to keep the pace steady. That's good. That's good. And it also Discipline meant, to... yeah, I guess so. And it also meant that I finished at eight o'clock. My idea was finish at eight, admin, sort myself out, pizza, and then, hopefully I'd get a good six hours sleep. Yeah. That was what I wanted. Yeah. Certainly, you know, if you're t- taking longer and only having four hours sleep would be really difficult compared to six. So, Correct. Yeah. And I didn't think that seven hours sleep would benefit me more that extra hour yeah. compared to the, how much it would fatigue my legs. Like logic. My foot 
as I said, I taped it because of the problem I had on Green Man. Now, I used Luco tape, which I think you used use something similar before. You know that white tape? Zinc oxide tape. No, it? you know the white tape that you use oh, to tape yes. up your ankle to stop it moving and rolling? Yeah, that or, was what I would call zinc oxide tape, like the stuff that you would use, rock climbers would use and stuff, and okay. kind of weightlifters. But obviously it comes with different names. And stuff. Yeah, so it's, it's, but it's very similar to that. So I bought it to tape my foot up when I'd had an issue with my... Achilles to stop it moving yeah, and rolling. Yeah, it doesn't stretch. Yeah, Correct. Probably not much um, porosity in it to let fluid out. So. Yeah, so I put it on my foot because I thought it was just really smooth and it would just, the idea yeah. was, it was my foot would just slide around in there and everything would be fine. Yeah. But I'd never tested it or tried it before. Yeah. Which, you know, is a proper beginner error, isn't it, in running? And we should know better than that. And it felt weird. So I stopped at the halfway station, took, took it off. All the tape was still intact. It didn't feel, I pressed on it, it all felt fine. So I thought, right, well, fine, just stick your stock back on, stop back on and carry on going because it probably is just the fact that it feels weird in your yeah. shoe because you're not used to running with this bit of tape on it. Yeah. So that's what I did and carried on. Okay, so I went through the last checkpoint, which was at about 41 kilometers ish, 40 and a half, 41 kilometers, in just about five hours which gives me two hours left to do the last 10 miles if I want to get in under seven hours. Now, seven hours is really just a, you know, an idea of the time, but it's about the right time, I think, that I should be running. But the bottom line is I'm just going to preserve my legs, jog it along, and we'll see how long it takes me to get to the end. This bit of the course feels more runnable, but someone said to me, that the last bit, our tip point three, is the worst bit. So we will see. I'm hoping I can get a massage at the end, which I think would be really good. Uh, and then get some pizza down. I'm really hoping my hotel has a bath. That would be amazing. And then uh, get to bed, have to get about six hours shut eye, and then up tomorrow morning. Legs aren't too bad, to be honest. I mean, they're a little bit sore, but, you know done over a marathon you can't expect them to be perfect so we'll see right let's get this done and a pizza and a massage hopefully oh, even if it's my wife doing the massage i'll get something so that's good oh lovely day really good running weather an interesting course to be fair but tomorrow it just feels just terrifying 66 miles on bad on running legs but we'll see See how it goes. So you seem quite focused, quite focused on massage. And pizza. And pizza. Yeah, for me, it was just I felt the food that was going to work for me. Yeah. And a massage, because my legs were starting to feel sore. And the enormity of the next day. Yeah, you see it. You could hear it pressing on your mind. Well, you know, I'd done Race to the Stones in the summer. Yeah. And stage two of this three-day race was longer than Race to the Stones, you know. Yeah. And I just started comparing those things in my head and thinking about it and thinking about what it would be like. And I was almost playing mind games with myself, mm -hmm. which was ridiculous, really, mm -hmm. which is why I then just went back to pizza and massage, pizza and massage, just thinking about those things in my head Yeah. as I got towards the end of that stage. And then as you run the rest of that stage, what they've got in the Ring of Fire, which clearly isn't unique, but I like the way that they did what they did, was they use honesty books, so okay. not like the not quite like the Barclay Marathons. So you didn't take 
the page out of the book that was your race <laughs> number, what you did was just took a page from the books and oh, they put them right. in places where it would be easy to shave the course, yeah. to stop yeah. you shaving the course and yeah, rather yeah. to avoid them having to have people there. They yeah. put books in Tupperware boxes with a massive flag. I mean, you know, if you claimed that you couldn't find it, it wasn't like they yeah, were yeah, hidden. Yeah. These things were yeah. really, That's really well idea. done. But it meant you had to get to this point, take a page out of the book, stick it into a plastic bag or whatever you decided and take it back with you. And there were a couple of honesty books in that stage, which after I recorded that bit, got a lot more technical and a lot less runnable. Yes. In terms of just, it was just sort of scrambling on rocks over bits yeah, and pieces. yeah. yeah. And then trying to find your way through sort of um, bracken sections. Mm. It was, it, there was trail, yeah. but clearly a lot of people have not been out because of lockdown and things. I think a lot of the trails yeah. were a little bit more overgrown than they would have been. Yeah. And then I'm running along and I got to that bit where I got to before where the light's going. And I, I'm saying, I am not getting my head torch out. I refuse <laughs> to get my head torch out. And I got past the last honesty book and on my way into, I'm going to say Unwork. But I'm sure I've got that wrong. Yeah. Um, there was a bramble right across the path, and it hit. I hit it, and thought, "Oh, that hurt!" And I, as I as I ran down the path and just saw, and there's just blood streaming down my arm, <laughs> where I've literally torn a hole in my arm with this bramble. But I ran it on in, ran into um, onward through to the leisure centre there, and uh, running across the finish line in. I think it was about seven hours and eleven minutes. Okay. So a little bit longer than I wanted, but. I'd purposely held myself back from trying to push the end. Yeah, close enough to where you wanted to be. That's, yeah. That's, yeah. And it was fine. And my wife and daughter were there. Uh, they'd elected, sort of, or we'd not really talked about it, but you know, they'd come up there to sort of have this look around Anglesey and have a nice holiday. There were a lot of people that had their families there who were effectively crewing for them. Mm. That was kind of never discussed between my wife and I and my daughter, and they never really yeah. did crew for me. They were just there at the beginning and end of every day. Yeah. But there were a lot of people who had families and crews out there. And you, and you could actually feed off that, not uh, both literally sometimes, actually, and but more figuratively, and just the energy people, other people were yes. getting from their crews, you could kind of feed off that yourself, yeah, yeah, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I did that a few times a weekend. It becomes a bit of a, a magnet as well, because I guess you, normally you're running the same pace as, as other similar to other people and you get to see the same families again and again. Correct. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, we got into there and I had a massage and then we walked back to the hotel. I told my wife not to bring the car. At the time afterwards, I thought it was a mistake, but I actually think walking back and that 15-minute walk was probably pretty good for my legs. Yeah. She disappeared into the pizza place to get the pizza and we went back into the hotel and into our room, which... Slightly disappointingly, only had a shower. <laughs> um, so I had been hoping for a bath, but I had the shower, came out, my wife turned up with a pizza. I ate half of a 14-inch pizza yeah, and literally went, you know what, I can't face the rest. Yeah. At that point, I'd had a warm shower. I'd got changed into my pyjamas or other shorts and T-shirt yeah. and had something to eat. And then massive weary hit me. Yeah. But I still had to do my admin for the next day. Mm. So there was a massive lesson learned there that I should have got my admin done as soon as I got into the hotel room. Yeah, yeah. Before I got in the shower. Because, yeah, it was the shower and the heat of the shower. Just, probably... just my whole body started to relax and yeah, I'd had yeah. food and everything else. So yeah. that was a lesson learned and something we can talk about at the end of day two, but something I, I changed around on day two, I think, yeah. to much better effect. And then went to clean my teeth. I got about four brush strokes in and puked in the sink. Oh. Just, you know, a little bit of pizza, just the... Tip your toothbrush in the mouth and everything, and oh, really? yeah, just it was just all a bit too much. I, I was feeling really, I was feeling a bit dodgy. That's why I stopped eating the pizza. So I, it was just like a literally mouthful of puke. So I literally spat that out, 
got some more toothpaste in my mouth, rinsed that out and went, right, I'm not brushing my teeth anymore, that's it, I'm going to bed. Runners on trail, all the details. Yeah, and went to bed. And I think it was about 11 o'clock by the time I'd got everything sorted and walked back and everything, you know, got my admin done at 10, 11 o'clock. I got about four, five hours sleep, yeah. I think, and got up at about four in the morning yeah. for a six o'clock start because I wanted to eat loads of food. Uh, my wife rolled my calves and then I walked to the start eating a massive flapjack and I do mean a massive flapjack this yep. thing weighed half a pound yeah you know it was a big flapjack and oats and syrup oats and syrup and a banana and then went mm. into the leisure centre which they'd set up brilliantly and there was a bloke in there just dishing out free tea and coffee so I had a, a cup of tea and then it's just that bit of you get to the start they do a starting lecture everyone's chatting I'm looking around thinking this is brilliant and he goes right ready to go and I looked down at my watch and went I've not even got my I've not loaded my map on I've not oh, done gosh. anything so it was all on the watch but I then had to so we yeah, started yeah. running and I probably did all the fiddling with the watch as I'm running across yeah, the yeah. sports field so you know again lessons learned you've got to think about getting these things yeah, drilled yeah, in yeah. and sorted and another lesson I've heard you know is it's kind of like simplify 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 and that's something they say on spine and stuff and well, you know, some people do the long races if you're trying to be competitive in that and it's interesting that you're you say effectively it sounds like there was three hours between you finishing and you getting to sleep yeah i mean i would point out that. yeah but I, I so i finished at eight but ten, yeah. quarter past eight but by the time i got back to the hotel it was closer to nine because i had the massage yeah, yeah, yeah. in yeah. fact my, my, i think it was even gone past nine o'clock and by then by the time i'd had my shower and eaten it was probably closer to 10 and then yeah. my wife rolled my legs and i packed my bag it, I, I, it wasn't i didn't go to bed before 11 i think i just didn't get to sleep I mean, you've talked about when you do spine, the, the buzz of the race and things. It's difficult to turn off. Yeah. As, as much I, as you think it's going to be easy, it isn't, because you're still travelling. And, and I, yeah. think, I think there is, a, there is a little bit here that there is a, in a multi-stage race, people will practice all the running. Yeah. But they probably won't practice the admin and the sleeping. And I know that sounds weird. Yeah, no, but obviously no. you need to go out and do a six-hour training run. Yeah. Come home and eat as quickly as you can, shower and change, I, I, and then try and go yeah. to bed. That sounds like not that I've done a well a multi stage apart from the one or two, but 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 really nothing like this. What you've just done it is, I I would imagine that having a routine there, you can just go into your routine, reduces the stress, allows you to, you know, put your brain power into relaxing rather than stressing. Yeah, and, and and getting that right and getting that as a routine will have massive kind of benefits to yep. your recovery, um, mental preparation. Um, and I'd written out a, a note on my phone of all yeah. the things, like, like a tick list, yeah, yeah. everything I had to tick off. Yeah. But it was in the wrong order, clearly, as, you know, as I yeah, experienced, yeah. it was yeah. definitely in I, the wrong order. I think order. it comes with time. I think it's one of these things you've got to do, haven't you, and go, that didn't quite work for me. But, but I can yeah. see, especially in, because Kit Rastery is eight days. Eight days. Having that off pack could have a, a big difference. Yeah. So day two, off we went across the field with me, fiddling with my Garmin, trying to get my map loaded up. and The long day. The long day. I felt... Surprisingly good. Same kit? Exactly the same kit. Same weather? Um, it was going to be hotter that day, mm-hmm. and you got a drop bag. You could give them a drop bag to pick up at halfway. So I'd taken, I, I guess, about uh, 60%, maybe 65% of my food yeah. with me, and the other 35% was in the drop bag, okay. ready to pick up. So after the last, last checkpoint yesterday, it went quite well. I found the first one to book of 47 kilometres, and after that... My legs seemed to come back to me, and I ran the last week quite well. I finished in 7 hours 11 minutes, which was fine. I couldn't have gone any harder. It was a really tough day. Much tougher than I thought it would be. Although my coach said in the end he wasn't surprised because of Green Man, how much that would have taken up my legs. 
So, day two of the ring of fire, and I'm 9k in, in an hour and 13 minutes, and you know what, it feels alright. Legs feel okay, I'm running at just over 8 kilometers an hour, which is fine. It feels sustainable, that's what I've got to try for. I'm hoping for less than 15 hours today. That would be amazing, absolutely amazing. But we'll see how it goes. It's a long way to go. And you've only done 9k. Having the families here has really helped, you know. It's a little bit more support at the end and sorting out things like pizza and my wife rolling my legs this morning. It's just been really good. Really, really good. So when, when I started day two, I kind of hoped having done sort of what I roughly expected on day one in terms of time, that I might manage to knock off some time from the 16-hour estimate. And I kind of hoped, well, if I can do 7 hours 11 for 35 miles, can I do 14 hours for 66 miles on day two? And very quickly, I realised that probably wasn't going to happen. I mean, my first time I did a time ass- assessment, I did the mental maths and worked out that if I'd extrapolated it out, it would be 14 hours and 20 minutes at that point. Yeah. And I thought, well, it's only ever going to get slower, isn't it? It's never yeah. going to get quicker. And so I thought, right, let's try and do 15 hours. Okay. Let's try. Well, not try. That's wrong because I was never going to run harder to get there. But I kind of hoped that I could keep going at such a pace that I would get under 15 hours to give myself some buffer for the last day. Because I was starting to realise that potentially seven hours to do that 33 miles on the last day was going to be quite tough. Yeah, yeah. And I know from looking at stuff in the past, not many people have managed it. I kind of hoped that by winding back my self on day one, I, I would keep that stuff in the legs. Yeah. And just out of interest, or just for clarity, I guess, 92 people started. Yep. And of those 92, I came 31st on day one. Okay. So I wasn't even in the top third. Your, your assessment of being ahead or behind pace, was it done on, you'd written out checkpoint times? Or, or was it was it a race where you could actually just average the pace out? And well, that's what I have it. done. So, that's checkpoint one done at about 18 and a half kilometres. I got there in about two and a half hours, which is pretty good. Running since 10k has been good. Nice and runnable. My legs feel okay. I've settled into a really nice gentle rhythm. I'm not going to try and run it any harder. There's absolutely no point. They had sausage rolls. And I'm not talking shop-bought little sausage rolls. It was at a cafe. And they were properly made. And amazing. I mean, absolutely amazing. So big shout-out to the cafe. Oh, and I'll get the name when we do the podcast and make sure I shout them out. And they had bananas this morning. So I had sausage roll and half a banana. And that was... Such a morale boost. Ridiculous morale boost. And now we're off again. I go that's about 10k to the next aid station. It's a good day, but I'm told it's going to get sunny later, which might not be that wonderful. Feet are okay. I took my shoe and sock off, like I did at checkpoint two yesterday, and had a look at it because it first felt a bit sore. But uh, everything looked good, and the taping was all holding up. And it feels better since, like it did yesterday after checkpoint two. So I think it's just using Luco tape because it doesn't stretch. I think the skin finds it quite difficult. I'm going to try KT tape tomorrow. 
on top of the fleecy web. Nearly 20% done. Which will feel awesome, I think. Given the fact I feel really good at the moment. So the name of the cafe was... The Hrigwi Beach Cafe. L-L-I-G-W-Y Beach Cafe. Hrigwi, I think that's how you say it. Beach Cafe. That sounds like a good guess. Honestly, uh, uh, honestly, the sausage, um, sausage rolls were amazing. And I think they were amazing, despite the fact that I was clearly incredibly hungry and needing the food. And I think it was great, one, because it was amazing home-cooked food. And it's, you know, it was just truly amazing. But also, if I had to point out bits that I think Ring of Fire could get better, number one was the consistency of food at the aid stations. I don't mean like um, dry and whatever food. I mean... The food was different at every aid station. So yeah. You never knew until you turned up what you were going to get. Yeah. And what they clearly got were crews jumping each other aid station to aid station. So, you know, the aid, people at aid station one would then be with people at aid station four or three or whatever. Yeah. But you wouldn't know that which ones you were going to get when you got there. Yeah. And each one's had different food. Yeah. So you get to some and they'd have fruit, bananas and oranges and apples. And you think, oh, this is amazing. And you get to that one and they'd have croissants. Yeah. And prano chocolat or... Nutella sandwiches or so it, it, I found that difficult because and I know I've talked before about you should learn to eat whatever you're going to get but also over time I've learned what works for me well in an ultra and yeah. I was really craving fruit and because I'd got my jelly babies and I've got my sweet stuff with me so I didn't really want any of the other things they got there yeah. wine gums and things and what I really wanted were bananas I love bananas and they really work for me in ultras but they only had them rarely during yeah. the race so it's not that the food was bad. It wasn't, you know, they yeah, weren't, yeah, they yeah. Were, and they weren't stingy with it. You could have as much as you like. There was loads of it. But, and again, in terms of drinks, it was water or Coke or cups yeah. of tea and stuff. There was no squash or anything. And I think if you wanted something just to break up the flavour of water and you weren't carrying it, yeah, you, you struggled. So I can see that there's kind of advantages from having the same food at each aid station, but also advantages for having different food. But maybe the ideal is... Basis, you know, some stuff which is always the same, which you can rely on, but then some variances. I think it was just that the fact the that you, ideal aid station. Yeah, well, I think it's just the fact that you get to an aid station and it's only got sort of bready pastry products. Yes, you, you, yeah, yeah. Th- there's no, there's no variance if, if you don't want yeah, yeah. that or your body doesn't um, want that. I, I struggle after once you've been going for some time. I can't eat that stuff. Well, I did. Just at one point, down. I picked up a pastry and walked away, and I, d- I chugged about half a water bottle, just turning yeah. it into liquid enough to get it because down. Because you my... can't even swallow it; it just yeah. sticks to you inside of your mouth. And yeah, and don't let me take away from the crews who were yeah, 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 honestly yeah, 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 yeah I know but we always people always talk about good crews but they were you know they went over and above and there was a couple of occasions so one time I, I was trying to work out on this day what my pacing was yeah and you were tracked they had your chip tracker things you, mm-hmm. you know the big GPS yeah, yeah, things yeah, yeah, you carry yeah. on your shoulder and they were trying to look it up but there was no 4G signal so they like, ran out of the car park the other direction got it and I started running off and running and he chased me down to tell yeah. me what my predicted finish time was. Oh, wow. Because I wanted to know. You know, yeah. like, answer, you're so and so, you're so, you know, silly things like that, which is, I know it's small, and you could say, well, anyone could do that. Yeah, but he's trying to run late station at the same time as yeah, yeah. looking after me and doing things like that. So the crews were brilliant. But yeah, just they could have more varied food at each aid station, I yeah. guess, which is why that aid station was just so amazing. Yeah. Yeah, and my foot, uh, we didn't talk about my feet at the end of day one. Uh, they looked okay. Yeah. They looked. They looked sore, but they didn't feel so. They looked a bit red and inflamed, but yeah, yeah. They, they were okay. Okay. So I'm through at station two. It would be fair to say that the section between A station one and A station two wasn't as nice or as good as the first section. 
nothing to do with the trail, all to do with me and how I'm feeling. You know, tiredness catching up now, especially sort of mental tiredness, tiredness from fatigue from not sleeping very well, or not getting any hours sleep. Although I've got about four hours, which isn't too bad. Legs are a bit tired, although they're still moving okay, but the whole body just feels tired, and that's not good. In theory at the moment, I'm still on front of 15 hours, but it's coming back towards me a bit, and I'd be amazed if I make it. If I get under 16, I really will be happy for the day, and as much as I can get under 16, would be great. And it's starting to get a bit warm, which isn't brilliant, but there you go. I love the seagull. Normally it's shutting gates and yeah. maybe a, a cow or something. There was a huge amount of this that was properly on the coast, on beaches. And so when I was, I've got the map in front of me, when I was when I was recording that bit, I was running across a beach. It was Red Wharf Bay. So just after the shipping checkpoint. But it, it, it just felt lovely. Yeah. Um, it felt absolutely lovely. Which leads us neatly on to what happened next and part of the ring of fire that I think people, if they're going to go and do it, really need to concentrate on because in my head and you know what it's like when you're running and you're tired the next bit was an utter disaster when it probably it may have been even been the making of my race it's not an ultra if you don't have the odd disaster yeah i know so they insist you carry the maps with you and because again i'm doing cape roth next year i keep mentioning it but it's the whole point of doing this was to try and get practice in i decided to try and run on the gps but have the map and look at where i was going and try and work out where i was and follow it on the map as i was going but I kind of hadn't really done that very much. I just, mm. in the end, relied on the GPS. But part of the Ring of Fire, a fair amount of it, there are course options that you can take. And they mostly revolve around low and high tide routes. Yeah. Because you're on the beaches all the time. And just after A Station 2, there is a low tide option. It literally runs along a path at the back of the beach. So yeah. It's not even along the beach. It's running on a trail. At nice sea. trail. Nice flat trail at sea level. The guy in front of me didn't take that and my gps said go on the other route because of course your gps when you plot a route only has, yeah, has one, one route in it yeah yeah and i wasn't really paying attention to the map and it was only once i climbed up and got into this forest that i and looked at the map i realized what had happened when we got down and connected back with the trail i looked back behind me and there were people who i knew had been literally probably miles behind me at, at oh, that really? point that yeah oh. i reckon it took 10 or 15 minutes extra okay and I was so angry. I mean, really angry. Not mm. with the guy in front of me. It wasn't his fault. I was following my GPS. I yeah, mean, yeah. He was just running his race. But inwardly, I, it burned in its seeds. And I was so angry with myself. And I had to sort of say to myself, right, just calm down because you're, you're really pushing hard now. Because in my head, I had to make up the time. Yeah. And I managed after I, probably about 5K it took me to get myself back under control. But for the rest of the day then, that burned in my head. And I went on about it quite a lot <laughs> um, to people, even to the point where, you know, I said, you're seeing the same aid station crews over and over again. And I got to an aid station and one of the aid station reporters went, are you still going on about that? And I went, yes! <laughs> and she just started laughing. And I, and I ended up laughing too, because it clearly was a little bit rational. But what I think it did was every time I felt tired and wanted to walk... I would say to myself, you can't, you can't, you've got to make yeah, up yeah, the time. Yeah, yeah. And I do wonder whether ultimately I finished the stage quicker yeah. because of that drive to not walk at any point than I would have done if I'd taken that coastal path. So it didn't only put fire in your head, it put fire in your belly. Absolutely. 
and, and it went through my head for the whole day. And in my head, of course, I'm adding up times. I'm adding up the previous day times and what I get that day. And thinking, if yeah. I don't go under 30 hours by less than 15 minutes, I will forever regret that navigation decision. And yeah. what it also made me do then was really focus on the nav. Yeah, yeah. So at that point, I was really, really focused on which route I took. Now, I'm not sure ever actually for the rest of it, there was a route decision that made that much difference. I went on the beach sometimes when it was slow going. I thought, oh, perhaps I should have stayed in land. And there was one point where there was a 50-50 and I was with another runner and he said, well, I'm going to run what's on my GPS and I don't think it's, that's the inland route and I don't think it's going to make that much difference. And we ran it and it was a bit up and down, but I'm not sure it made any difference. Yeah, so yeah, ultimately, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. there was only one bit that I ran that wasn't on the GPS, that was on a beach that I decided to run because everybody said, when I read stuff online, that if you run that route on the low, if you can get that on that route on low tide, it is easier than the inland route. Yeah, it really helped me focus on the map thing as well. So that small disaster mm-hmm. probably, ultimately, did me a lot of good. Yes. And certainly for future races has taught me an awful lot yeah, about it paying. It wasn't the first time that something like this has happened and it won't be the last. No, but paying attention to the map, yeah, really, yeah. really important. So, a session four done on the Ring of Fire. I'm putting the uh, frustration of taking the high tide route rather than the low tide route after race station two behind me. Went through 52 and a half kilometers, which should be halfway, although I did a small nav error, so it might be slightly longer, but not much more, um, in seven hours and 20 minutes, which is worth bearing in mind tomorrow because I've got to do effectively that tomorrow. So. If I can keep the legs turning over like they have today, then hopefully I can do it in seven and a half hours tomorrow. Which means I kind of need to finish the day in under 15 hours, 15 minutes. Which is going to be tight. But we'll see. I'm now climbing up a beast of a hill. Although, do you know what? That's not too bad. I've been suffering quite a lot with the heat recently in the last... So since the last checkpoint. I just... Pulled a cup of water over my head, which was amazing. I uh, sat down for five minutes, eating some banana, drank a couple of cups of Coke, filled up my water bottles. And a lot of this hill is in shade, and there's a bit of a breeze. So it doesn't actually feel too bad. Had you got over it? No. <laughs> so that was the optimistic Anthony. I think I've got over it. Yeah, I haven't got over it. haven't got over it. And then... I put my podcaster away and reached into my vest to pull out my food and realised that I'd forgotten to pick up my drop bag at the halfway aid station and left all my food in it. And I was about a kilometre up a really, really steep hill. Oh, no. And so I stopped and I nearly cried. And then I just had to make a decision. Did I go back for it or did I just carry on? My voice is freaking now, honestly. It was and I and I looked in my in my pocket and, and I counted out I literally counted out my jelly babies and counted my gels and I thought it's not worth it. Just eat more at the aid stations. Hopefully you can pick something up at the aid stations and, yeah. and take it with you. And you're just gonna have to suck it up. But it was a really low moment. Yeah. A really low moment. So that's, that's two things that have gone wrong. Then everything comes in threes. What was the third thing? Uh, we'll talk about that later. Okay, there is a third. There is a third thing. But then I, shortly after that, got to a village called 
Chlandeg, I think that's how you say it. And it was really warm, but a wonderful person had set up an impromptu aid station outside her shop. And she had orange segments and a few other bits and pieces. And they had calipos. And she gave me one. And I went down the road with the biggest smile on my face. Having had this lovely impromptu aid station I didn't expect. Got lots of lovely fruit that I didn't expect. Eating a calipo, which was lovely and cold and refreshing and beautiful. Ultra food of the gods on a day like that. It (laughs) absolutely was. And it was just amazing. And my morale went through the roof. Thank goodness. And from there, really... I was really focused on the job in hand. I'd had enough of recording things on the podcaster and it was all about trying to make up for my errors and just getting the job done as best I could. Yeah. So I cracked on from there through a couple of aid stations. The next aid station was the one I, when I talked about the guy who chased me down this path to tell me my time. Yes. And at that point, my predicted finish time had eked out to 14 hours and 59 minutes, I think. Okay. And so I thought, well, okay, it is what it is. There's nothing I can do. I've just got to do the best I can. And we pressed on through the rest of that day, just really a station to a station, jogging, I said not walking, eating as much as I could, trying to get food in at the A stations. One of them had a set of bananas, and I think took a whole banana with me for the, for the next leg. Just before that really big beach, I went into a car park, and I was just sick of drinking water, and I was almost, I couldn't drink it. Yeah. It was just that much. And there was just loads of families there who were clearly crewing for anyone. Has anyone got any squash? <laughs> and this woman said, I've got this carton of apple juice. Do you want it? And I yeah. said, are you absolutely sure? It's for your run. And she said, no, I've got so much stuff. Yeah, yeah. And so she gave me this carton of apple juice and I just ran along chugging down this apple juice. And it was just, again, yeah. amazing. And that was it, really. I got to the final aid station where they had some soup and people were drinking that, but I really couldn't face it. Yeah. yeah. And I realised really now it was just about getting home as quick as I could. And I got my head down and I ran and I ran and I ran and I ran. And I can't remember what point I put the head torch on, but I was amazed how far I'd got before I put the head torch on. Yeah. Certainly past the last aid station, which was amazing. And got to the finish at the end of day two. And everyone said, oh, really well done, well done. I'm thinking, thanks very much. Got into the sports hall and it was relatively empty. And I said, where is everyone? They went, what do you mean where? They're still out on the course. Really? (laughs) You've just come 12th. I'm like, 12th? Oh, hey, my wow. God. So, yeah. I would... Had you passed people in this last kind of stage? No, no I mean, it just, I just didn't really... You didn't did... realise you were that far? I just I didn't really realise how far I was, uh, yeah, on the race, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I must have passed people at some point, but yeah. I mean, I finished in 14 hours, 52 minutes. So I'd taken a little bit of time back at that 15 hours. I hadn't gone longer. Yeah, yeah. I'd managed to pull it eight minutes back. Mm. It was empty. I got a 20-minute massage. Rock! <laughs> Which is awesome, because there was no one else there. So that was great. Had my massage. And then the hotel we booked was in Hollyhead. Yeah. So we drove back to Hollyhead. Which is where the start was. So it would be where, where the, the start was. Yeah, 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 where the finish was. Uh, but on the outskirts, closer to where we were. So okay. that yeah. worked really well. Got into the hotel room. Thought, right, I know what I've got to do now. Did my admin whilst I was eating a pizza. But I managed one slice of pizza. Oh. And then just, no, I, I just didn't want anything. My stomach had turned. Yeah, my stomach had properly turned. And I knew I needed to eat more, but I just couldn't. And, you know, you asked me, you said bad things come in threes. Yeah. Uh, when I took the Luco tape off my foot that night, there was a good 10p size blister oh, underneath right. it. Okay. Uh, and I realised that I, I just think my skin was trying to move the Luco tape wasn't happening. So I fleecy webbed and KT taped over the top. Yeah. And took the decision to switch shoes into a pair of Brooks Cascadias, which I've got, which just feel a little bit roomier at the front. They still got a fair amount of cushion, but they're firmer. Definitely more of a trail shoe, bigger lugs. Yeah. 
but just had more space in the front. Yeah, yeah. But my hotel had a bath. And Lift. so I went and lay in the bath for half an hour. You um, won't, won't get one of those on Cape Roth. No, definitely won't. <laughs> I'll get a river. And then got to bed, I guess, at about 11 or 12 o'clock, was it? It wasn't that much later than it had been the yeah, day before, yeah, yeah. weirdly, because I'd just been quicker at getting the admin and turned and it around. And you earlier in the day rather than 1 o'clock. And like that. Yeah. yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, but I think, you know, 15 hours, what would that be? That would have been 9 o'clock at night we finished, but I was in bed yeah. by 11. Okay. And then up at 4 the next morning yeah. when I ate two slices of cold pizza because I couldn't face the flapjack. Yeah. And ate the banana. Uh, and then dr- I drove back to the start just kind of getting myself my head awake yeah, yeah driving was good for that when again i had a thing i had a cup of coffee or something cup yeah, of tea yeah. yeah emergency poo remember, remember doing that i'm sure everyone needs to know that but um <laughs> i just suddenly realized i needed to go and then um and then the race started and it was at that point that i realized just how attritional day two had been yeah because of the 92 starters on day one i don't think many people dropped out but only 44 started day on, three on day three oh wow yeah a lot of people have been cut. And the opening stint on day three was quite racy. I thought, he said, we had an hour and three quarters to do eight miles, which mm. felt quite fast. I, I think it was actually two hours. Yeah, um, that's, that's pretty but it, fast. But it felt quite fast. Um, and so a lot, we all went out thinking, oh, geez, better get, yeah, yeah. Yeah. The first aid station on day three is a cafe. Oh, Nice. Bacon butties. Oh, nice. And and proper hot coffee. Oh. Oh, yeah. Oh. So I, I walked up the road from there chugging coffee and uh, and eating a bacon butty, thinking the world is a very nice place at the moment. But I was really running on fumes. Yeah. You know, I hadn't had enough food. Yeah. And that's the, the real thing, the real takeaway from this. Replacing the calories. Yeah. I was literally running aid station to aid station. Yeah. And I think if it had been a longer day than 33... Or if we'd had four days, I'd have been in real trouble. Yeah. Real, yeah. real trouble. Because I had nothing left. Taken on just enough to get to the finish. Yeah. And I, I've always wondered what my jelly baby limit would be. <laughs> and I now Is there know, one? I, have, I've now found out that, you know, two bags of jelly babies uh, have, have basically taken their toll on me. And I was looking at them going, I I don't want, I hate you. Um I was running a station stations, trying to just eat stuff that I could. I mean, mm. the I think the second a station they had chocolate brownies, yeah. and, and I ate a whole one of those and think, took another one with me because that went down okay. They were really nice and soft. And then I was running with someone, just run looped past him and a couple of times chatting about things. And this van pulled up ahead, and it was his mate. And his mate opened the door and went, "Do you want any, anything to eat?" He said, "I can't give you. I can't remember what he had that I wasn't allowed because it was for his mate." He said, but I've got watermelon. And I went, really? And he'd, he'd taken a whole watermelon yeah, yeah. and sliced it. So, this, you know, these things were yeah, a yeah, foot yeah. and a half across almost, massive. And he just gave me this whole stuff. It was ice cold. He had it on ice. Yeah, yeah. Honestly, again, from those moments where I like, literally wanted to cry. Because it tasted amazing. Water, watermelon, oranges, melon. You know the other ones, uh, the other yeah. ones or whatever. It's just gorgeous when you're on it. And I know this. I don't know. It's like sugary water. It's a bit of a, a bit of food. I think it just went down so easily. Yeah. It's just liquid just melts, and water, doesn't it? Yeah. And that was amazing. And again, picked me up, and I just just carried on plodding the day. I'd, mm. At that point, having done the time I'd done the day before, I knew that I had to go effectively just under eight hours, mm. and I'd go sub thirty. So. Yeah. It was in the back of my head. Yeah. And I was running quite well until I got to Hollyhead Mountain. 
and what effectively they make you do it is they you run up the bit almost the furthest bit inland yeah and then have to traverse over the top of it yeah. going down towards the sea down the spine of it if you like okay and it yeah. was quite technical yeah, yeah on my legs that were left and i picked up this left what felt like a left knee injury, but um, I'd started to sort of not trust my knee so much. Mm. But eventually we got down to the last honesty book. Mm. A couple of people with me shot off and I realised I was spent. Mm. I was just jogging really slowly, begging for an uphill so, as an excuse to walk. And then we got down over the far corner of it and you can see the finish. Yep. And you realise you've got about 800 metres to go. And at that point I broke into a jog, felt myself trying to puke and went, do you know what? I'm just going to walk now. I'm going to walk this last bit. And so I walked the last 800 metres, I think, yeah. into the finish. And, of course, you get around the corner, and there's not many people now. There's only 44 people started the day. Yeah. Four of them got cut at the first aid station, unfortunately, which is horrible. Oh. So there's only 40 people on the course. So when you come into finish, there's a good chance that you're on your own. Yeah, yeah. And as you come in, they start playing the ring of fire. You know, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Of course, they start playing it, and they're going, run! And I'm like, nah. I'm not running. <laughs> and I'm just walking in. You can see the floor DJ going, I'm going to run out of music. Yeah, <laughs> I'm going to run out of music before it gets here. And I managed to sort of dance the last 50 metres over the finish line. And I finished that day in about, I think it was seven hours, 28 minutes. So okay. not that different from the half distance I'd done on yeah, the yeah. first day. And in fact, probably almost exactly the same amount of time I'd taken to run the second half of day cool. two. So wasn't too bad at all and a total time of 29 hours 31 minutes 30 seconds okay and cool. came 15th on that day yeah but what is weird is my times overall you know 31st on day one 15th on day three 12th on day two but i came 12th overall yes because i had done so well on day two yeah 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 that 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 extra time i've banked on day two yeah put me 12th out of 92 starters which I was over the moon with. and But nowhere near mid-pack. Well, no, I guess not. I mean, <laughs> but it certainly wasn't nowhere near front-pack. You know, the guys that won it yeah, were, yeah. Were, were in the you know low 20s or something stupid. Yeah, yeah, it was really yeah. ridiculous. Yeah. You know, you were, I wasn't going to get anywhere close to that. But I guess in this race, mid-pack didn't finish. Well, I mean, you say that, 40 people finished at 92. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I mean, I guess not. So and, say that going slower on day one. Absolutely. Sounds like. It paid off. Absolutely. Yeah. I, I absolutely think that's what it was. It was that pacing on day one and running it slow enabled me to run yeah. pretty similar pace for day two. Yeah. And pretty similar pace for day three as I did on day two. Yeah. And, you know, I really learned from that. Yeah. So, should we do the quiz? What's the race? It is the Ring of Fire Ultra and it's on the island of Anglesey in the northwest of Wales. How far is it? It is 135 miles with about 4,000 metres of climb. Best bit? The T-shirt. Oh, yeah, we haven't mentioned the T-shirt. I haven't mentioned the T-shirt. Oh, my God. Honestly. Oh, my God. The T-shirt you get from the Ring of Fire, they do a different one every year. It's made out of 100% recycled materials. It's raglan sleeves, so you don't have seams on the shoulders, so it's perfectly done for trail running. And it's got a longer tail cut, so it doesn't pull up underneath your race vest. It is the best trail running race t-shirt I have ever and, received. And it looks freaking awesome. It does look amazing. It looks like a kind of like a, a, a Formula One team's posh top, doesn't it, in a way? It's got, you know, really well designed. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm sure Bing and Q, who are the race organisers, probably don't want me to say the best thing about their race was the t-shirt. But it is that good a t-shirt. It is but awesome. honestly, it, it, the race is amazing. And the mixed terrain, you know, there's lots of mixed terrain that was really interesting. The camaraderie amongst the runners yeah. 
which I guess I didn't experience so much because I didn't sleep in the sports hall yeah. and stuff. So the first night, by the way, we didn't talk about this. I'll dive very, quick, dive very quickly on one thing about the sleeping arrangements. On the first night, people were allowed to sleep in tents yeah. and use the sports hall facilities. And on the second night, they could sleep in the village hall. Yeah. I spoke to people who'd done that who said they literally got no sleep on either night. Yeah, yeah. So okay. I've been staying in the hotel whilst I missed out on that camaraderie. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Um, so best bit was the race T-shirt, but just... Everything about the race is amazing. And I would go as far as to say, you want to know how good a race this was. Yeah. I struggle to try and decide whether it was, which was better, this race or Transvulcania. Really? Yeah. Oh, high praise. Yeah. That's how good it was. That's really how good okay. it was. So, uh, fourth question, worst bit? I think I'm going to say the food in the aid stations okay. because I don't, I'm not sure I've got anything else to criticize. I'm yeah, not sure yeah. I've got anything else to criticize. But yeah. And, would you do it again? Probably not. Oh, really? I thought you were going to say yes. because No, I... because do you know what? For the first time in a, such a long time, I actually achieved what I wanted to. I said I wanted to go under 30 hours, and I actually achieved the, the stretch target that I'd set myself. Yeah. I'm not sure I could ever really top it. Yeah. It was such a good... I had such a good time, I wouldn't want it to, to run yeah, it again, yeah, and it'd be yeah, not okay. as good. Okay, okay. In, for some okay. reason, but, you know... The inevitable answer to the final question, would I recommend it? Oh, my goodness, people, you have to go and do this race. I don't think I've ever wanted to pick up a race more, more than Transvulcania or as much Transvulcania as I do this race. It is brilliant. And for goodness sake, get yourselves registered and go and do it because I promise you won't regret it. Okay. Unless you get cut, in which case maybe you will regret it. But, you know, and but don't underestimate it. You know, 40 people finishing out of 92 yeah, it's a fairly it's not, harsh yeah, statistic, harsh. isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Cool, excellent. So, look, hopefully you enjoyed the podcast. If you're a first time listener, please do think about subscribing to us. Uh, if you want to get in contact with us on Instagram, on Twitter, we are at Runners on Trail. You can contact us via email on runnersontrail at gmail.com that is right runnersontrail at gmail.com well done. So, yes, think about subscribing. I hope you enjoyed the podcast. We'll be back with another one. Clearly not soon because we never are. But in the meantime, take care and enjoy the trails.